Hello and welcome to the Nursery and Preschool Chatroom podcast. Join the Twinkle team as we talk about life as a preschool and nursery practitioner. We'll share our honest thoughts and experiences on a range of topics that affect early years practitioners every day in their settings. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nursery and Preschool Chatroom. I'm Katie. And I'm Charlotte. And I'm Fliss. And in today's episode we're going for yet another controversial topic and that is should early years settings follow children's interests? And by that I mean should we be following adult-led planning looking at topics, events and celebrations or should it be entirely based on what the children are displaying an interest in so what are your guys' experiences? We did children's interest planning so every week we kind of did the planning for the next week and based it all on the children's interest so like each key worker had a folder where they'd wrote down what their key children's interests are that week and then we'd kind of like get the folders together and see like is there any similar interests or what's going on and we'd just like plan based off that but it was quite logistically hard because you had to like plan a certain activity or like certain provision for each day when that child was in yeah. if you're following their interest but then you'd also have another child that was in who had I don't know a big interest in trains but your small little area that day was wanting to be dinosaurs because another child's got a dinosaur interest so it was quite hard to get your head around and I remember I had to speak to a different nursery about our planning in the nursery group and how they could implement it and me trying to explain it to them over the phone without them being able to like see it in practice and how we do it it was quite difficult but I mean I think it worked and but we did build themes and events into it and days that were going on so but in that way we'd like try and build their interest into the topic yeah well that's always been one yeah. of my big questions is because at the settings I've worked at like you always follow the children's interest but the planning has always been based on events and celebrations or do you know they might have like a letter of the month or a book mm. of the month the planning was always based around that so I've always really struggled with this idea of how you teach children about something that they don't necessarily interact with. So, for example, if you are working in within particular neighbourhoods, children might not even have that. They're not going to come into contact with like Islam. So Eid isn't going to be something they're ever going to display mm. an interest in because they're not going to be exposed to it. So I think practitioner wise, our job is to do that. Yeah. But how do you teach children about that if they haven't yeah. shown an interest in it? We'd build their other interests into it. So say if we had a child that really liked messy play or creative or that sort of thing, often we build it into that area. So like have a creative activity out that was related to it and whilst they're engaging in the activity, they not don't necessarily know that they're doing Diwali like painting or something like that with the deco- the colours of Diwali but we would speak to them whilst they're doing it and like build it into conversation and then if they like sparked then more interest in it then I, I don't know the next day or in the moment thing we'd maybe like then put out a bit more to do with it. Yeah you might then be looking at setting an activity mm. tray up based on using those colours mm-hmm. or if you're doing and country you could it. do it the flag like mm-hmm. you'd find a topic and yeah appropriate it's very interesting to me. I mean it's a lot to think about I mean you have to have the I don't know you can't just put it out and expect them to know what they're doing I guess that you are there to teach them but the main thing was they're not going to engage with it if it's not their interest in the first place like I had a little girl who I knew where she was at and I kind of wanted her to come over to like the water play the messy play she wouldn't go near any of that sort of stuff yeah. so like I'd have to build her other interests into it so like she was always in the role play in the home corner with the babies so then often every week when she was in I'd always put out baby washing 
baby there'd only be one baby or two babies in the role play and all the rest of them over there so she'd come over and start playing in that and then I'd see her do different things that I've not seen her do before like filling pouring stuff like that and that's kind of it's building a really good example way. of like what the role of the practitioner is in mm. like support and enhancing play as well it's not just saying hi it's the valley tomorrow so we are mm. going to do some firework painting no yeah. context you're just yeah. going to do it so actually I really appreciate what you're saying there yeah you've got to think smart aren't you really like you've got to think smart and I think if you put the children at the heart of what you're doing you're going to be putting their interests into what you're doing um i think in preschool because their interests changed every day um we had a lot of paw patrol at one point so everything just had to be paw patrol but we did like a mixture like you guys did like if there's anything coming up we'd celebrate that but then like Fliss said we'd try just put their interests into it because you do get some children that really don't like mark making like a lot of them like trains so it's just like like with paint you can roll the trains i was about to say that but then we'd look at patterns and shapes and they don't realize that they're learning all the extra stuff they just think oh trains i like trains so you can hit all them different areas in one go but i think it's just been an experienced practitioner and knowing that's how you get them to learn I remember when I was explaining our planning to this other setting and they were saying like, well, how do you get the children interested in different stuff if you're just constantly putting out their like current interests and that sort of thing? And I was like, well, because the room has varied things going on around it, they will explore the whole room and if something different's out or new provision, they will then start building new interests in. And like they were saying like, well, why don't you just like do one activity based on this to try and get, see if they're involved, interested in that. And I can see that's where like the topic theme comes in like you do a mini beast theme at this time of year and everything is mini beast across the room like but then why if a child's not even bothered about that like you've not got the provision there for them I don't don't know I really liked what you said actually because because you're doing your learning and you're planning to meet different children's interests you're right you have different interests Mm -hmm. around the room so actually children are being exposed to interests outside of like trains say that they are being exposed Mm -hmm. constantly to things outside of trains Mm -hmm. because you'll be accommodating other children within the room it's not to say that your provision changes the way you've always got your continuous provision that's out like your basic resources like your cars your animals they're always going to be out but what you're doing is you're enhancing the provision for certain interests and they will be exposed to different things like I'm sure you're the same we had certain resources that weren't out all the time they were stored away and we just bring them out as and when and needed like that but every room's got them continuous resources that children will find different ways to to play with them you, you could see a child lining up all the animals and then you'll see a different you'd see some schematic play and behavior and then you build on that in a different area that sort of thing so listen to what you said there because you're obviously you're an experienced practitioner you know what you're doing and that links to what you said before charlotte that actually experience is important in this Mm. area because you can't expect a 16 year old apprentice within their first few months to just come in and be able want to recognize the difference yeah. between an interest and something they're just playing with for 10 minutes mm-hmm. just because they've shown an interest mm-hmm. in it for 10 minutes does not mean that that's something that's going to encourage them to learn so it's seeing the difference between that and like what's actually worth delving into because they are interested in it that's not easy that's a lot to recognize because we had an app on a tablet so the parents had the app on their phone and there was a little bit where the parents could put what their child was interested in at the moment at home like we wouldn't see what they liked yeah. at home we didn't go home with them um or they'd put pictures and say oh at the weekend we did this and they absolutely loved it and they keep wanting to do it again and again and again and then we could then follow that through at nursery and be like right this is what sometimes even if they just came in with like a t-shirt and it had paw patrol and they'd be like <laughs> Look at my Paw Patrol t-shirt all like, day long. The Look at my Paw Patrol. <laughs> this is this so-and-so, so-and-so. And it's just picking up them little things and, like, yeah. thinking, right, 
because they've got it on the t-shirt this is something they really like they're like proud of this <laughs> so yeah it's just having that um and just knowing the children as well yeah we had a Paw Patrol phase yeah. and I remember I was just like walking around, around home bargains one day and I was like oh, there's some like Paw Patrol skittles so I just picked them up and I was like I messaged nursery first I was like I've seen these can I please just get them and they like refunded me for it but like I brought them in and oh my gosh like they've never seen it because I also think in nurseries as well like popular culture is a really like difficult resource to bring in I mean, you don't often see what they're watching on the telly at home in our resources in a nursery so I think it's important to reflect that in their other areas of their play like yeah they watch it on telly but if you bring them into the room as characters mm. they then started using these skittles as small world characters and creating their own Paw Patrol scenes like I mean you can add it you know to so I mean? many different areas of your room like maths like even trying to copy and draw one themselves like it's, I think it's really interesting to you guys talk about Paw Patrol because I feel like normally we're made <laughs> to feel quite guilty as a practitioner in my experience anyway of bringing stuff like that in because like we're very specifically supposed yeah. to teach them maths and paintings and mini That's why I do my dissertation on like mm. digital playing a lot of it was linked to children watching telly and then playing on apps that are things that they don't even they, they only see it kind of at home they don't see it at Notion and even like them being on an app and a tablet like they've got such a negative negative perception of them being on the screen time all the time like oh they're not learning yeah. and like I just found it really interesting so I did my whole dissertation on it and just found as long as you've got a supportive practitioner nearby who's there to extend their learning like you do with any other play there's no harm to it that's my conclusion that I came to yeah following the children's interests yeah so they are going to be involved like if you're just leaving them sat there on, the, on their ipad and they're just doing it yeah, yeah screen time's not good but if you're nearby and you're sat interacting with them you, they might learn something on that but you think oh I can extend that and you start having a conversation with them about that and You're developing their learning up on the next steps I don't see no harm in it yeah. yeah the other thing that I think about a lot with sort of topic-led versus child-led learning is resourcing it so when you know that you've got a topic coming up on for example autumn you always have like you know in the cupboard like a bag of dry dead leaves ready <laughs> to like paint and stick onto a hedgehog and things like that so what about when you are following a child's interest like how do you make sure you're resourced for that I mean, I used to find it really hard because sometimes you would just only have the basic resources anyway because I know nurseries really struggle with buying all these new toys and resources that you might need. And we used to put a lot of things on our Morrison's shopping bill. So if we needed anything that we thought Morrison's would be able to provide us with, like flour, anything like pasta shells and things like that. But then it's like we had to wait to get those. So if you're wanting to do it in the moment there and then, it was really hard sometimes to be able to set up that activity to the, to the best that it could be for that child to get everything out of it so you know it, it is quite hard like sometimes even just getting paper was like a task just for them to draw on so yeah I think the lack of resources like you'd love to do all these activities and you've all got all these ideas in your head about what you'd like to do but then sometimes it's just not possible. I think if you're looking at more of like an in-the-moment spontaneous planning yeah. setup, you've got to be said, you've got to be able to think on your feet. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if you're doing an activity, you're reading a book about dinosaurs because someone brought it over and everyone's yeah. really interested, you kind of want to be able to follow that up immediately with an activity related to dinosaurs. But you've kind of got like... The more experience you get, you get like a little bank of mm, yeah. ideas that you can kind of like quickly flick through and you're like, oh, we can sort of make that one work or I can, we've done that before yeah. and we can make that dinosaur theme. So I think we can then agree as a team that there are some complications with following the children's interests, but if you can, it's one of the best things that you can do for their learning. But you, there's also no harm in doing a bit more of a topic-led approach 
So for this week's practitioner problems, we've got a question and it is advice on the routine of a preschool room. Due to the different intakes throughout the year, we have children who have just turned three and children who are going to school in September. I feel like this is where we let our resident preschool room leader lead. <laughs> How did you do it? No, we used to, I mean, we had a mixture of like children that would just turn three and then you had the children that were going to school mm-hmm. in September who were nearly five because they had September birthdays. And it is quite a big age gap. Even though they're in the same room, their learning abilities are very different. Well, it's like having a baby and yeah. a preschooler in the same yeah. room, actually, yeah. because it's two-year-old technically. You've got to balance it so it's not all schooly stuff, and then you've still got the stuff that caters for the children that have just yeah. turned three. But because they're all in the same room, <laughs> you've not got like a separate kind of like this part of the room can be for the littler ones and then this part can be for the older ones. So I always find it really tricky. Would it work, do you think, having sort of like someone who is, saying you've got multiple members of staff in Mm -hmm. your preschool, someone who's like more responsible for that younger end? I did try to give the new children to certain staff members all in one chunk. Yeah. Because then the ones that had just come through was all, they needed that more emotional part. Yeah. Because they just moved rooms and their level of learning was a lot different to the older ones. So I did try put them with the same person just so that they didn't get forgotten about because it is yeah. really hard when it's so hectic and everything's going on. But so this is where having those practitioners who particularly focus on it might be that in a particularly busy preschool, you don't look at it as a three to five room. Yeah. You look at it as it is split three to four and four to five and maybe you do have to do two sets of That's planning. That's like, uh, so we luckily have another another room for preschool it's only a small room in the building well it is still preschool but it's the ones that are going to school in september so like they're mainly all in the morning they're all together in preschool room and then in in, they split off and they do like more different activities but then when they're in the preschool room together it's a lot more focused around like the three-year-olds i'd say in the learning because in the other room that's when they do the more school readiness sort of stuff we're also responsible for making sure that those older ones who are going out to school are prepared and ready for that situation Mm -hmm. so maybe that is the difference i know our saying as well thinking about solutions to it they all like had like i don't know really like free flow play throughout the day but they'd at least had like two lots of times in their routine where it was group time where they'd go into groups and do more focused activities they'd like just do like in their group time like read a book get a little activity out just imagine being a practitioner on your own on a one to eight ratio you've got six kids that are getting ready to leave and two that Mm. are just started that's a Mm. that's really hard it's like having to have split personality yeah like one half of you is like your preschool and then the other half the the younger children yeah the younger children and i used to find Mm. as well the younger children would make bonds with these older children as well for like the settings are mixed age settings and the benefits of children like think about childminders you've got the younger ones mixed with them constantly Mm -hmm. so there is benefits to it of them being mixed together but I can imagine in a general nursery room with Mm -hmm. many of them it is hard to run. During Covid we were mixed massively at first I just couldn't cope with it my brain could not it was like whoa what is this because we had to take all the toys away we weren't allowed any toys and it was like a bare room with all these like two-year-olds three-year-olds four-year-olds some random baby would just join and the little ones do look up to the older ones and it does bring them out of the shell a lot but yeah it does have its benefits but it's very hard very tricky to to do as a practitioner i find yeah you've just really got to try and treat them as 
two separate ages yeah. then if you've got a preschool room you've just got to make sure that you are meeting the needs of both and if you've got the staff it's easier but it's a hard situation and well we don't 100 have a solution yet but hopefully you can pick some advice out of what we've just said there that's it for today's episode of the nursery and preschool chat room find us on our different social media platforms we've got facebook instagram facebook groups pinterest youtube if there's a social media platform you'll find us in the meantime we'll see you next time bye, bye.